Hallelujah. Right, I want to greet everybody that's watching via the internet. You are welcome to the, to the service. Uh, for those people that's been following us on Facebook uh, and our, you know, where we've been preaching and what we've been doing out in roads, you know, thank you for that. And they're just sharing the pictures with your friends. People are encouraged when they see people receive Jesus, people become born again. Uh, and when they're just born from the truth. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Today I'm going to preach on uh, what it is to be born from the judgment of God, or actually to be born from the truth. Um, you know, if we understand the new birth, it is something that actually takes place in us because of what we believe. That is what the new birth is. The, the, if we just take South Africa, you know, and when I preached in Rhodes, it was so nice. Most of the guys, they were black, black folk, and, and uh, we could use the new South Africa, you know, and uh, the, you know, the, the, the end of the apartheid system and uh, what happened, you know, with what Nelson Mandela did and the new government and everything so well. And they would really understand um, the gospel of Jesus through what happened, you know. Like one of the things I said is... Um, if you would go and uh, apply to, you know, for scholarship at a university and they say to you, no, you can't, we will not allow you because you're a black person, what would you do? Would you accept it? They say, no, I will not accept it. Why? It's because you believe in what has happened in 1994. So if you don't believe in it, you will take that nonsense, you know, and you will not be able to study there. Um, but if you believe in what has happened there, then what has happened there will give birth to what it stands for. And it stands for freedom. And one of the nice things I could also say is that I was set free from being an oppressor, you know, and be labeled as an oppressor. And I, because I believe of what has happened there, it can live in me and I will not take the nonsense of being called a boor or an oppressor or being slandered because of the color of my skin. Because I believe in what has happened there. And because I believe in what has happened there, that freedom, empowered by the law and the government, can live in me. You know, when uh, I said to them, you're not going to phone Nelson Mandela on his sickbed and ask him to deliver you from the oppression. You know, if somebody says you can't study at some university. You know, because he, where he is now, he doesn't need to speak one word for you. He doesn't have to act at all for you. Because what happened in 94 was more than enough for you to experience all the freedom you need to experience in, in a government setup. How much more what Jesus Christ has done for mankind, you know, 2,000 years ago. So when we can realize what He has done and believe it, then you will find that that truth, you've got access to that truth in this life, right now. In accordance to how true what has happened really is. Now, you know, we, we can believe in uh, uh, historic Jesus. 
And what that means is, you, you believe that He died, you believe that He rose again, you believe that, you, that He walked on the earth, and you can even go to Israel, and you can go and walk where Jesus walked, and you can believe so much that He was on the earth, that you will say, I will go and walk where Jesus walked. But that will not benefit you unless you believe what His walk implies. <laughs> what does it help you believe Jesus died? If you don't know whose death he died and what his death implies. Yeah. It's just almost useless information. Yeah. Yeah. That's as good as what I say to you, somebody jumped off a building for you and died. You will say, why? Why did he have to jump off a building and die for me? What, what does that mean? In the very same way, we need to understand the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that we can be born. Yeah. from that truth so that that truth and that freedom can be born in us yeah. Romans 5 says beautiful he says by faith we have access into the grace wherein we already stand yeah. so the whole world the believer and the unbeliever is standing in the grace of God yeah. but those that can believe in what grace really is have got access to that power you know I, I said it before you know when we listen to music when I travel I listen to nice Afrikaans music and some deep English music and then we get to the good music 1970 Don Williams country music <laughs> when everyone is tired and falls asleep in the car I get to the good stuff and uh, that one CD, it was tape back then, my dad listened to it whenever we traveled. And when he would wear, wear the tape out, he'll buy the same one again. Because if something's good, it's good. It's like the gospel, you know, you're not going to say I've heard it once, I'm never going to hear it again. So, well, anyway, those of you that listen to uh, old country music will understand what I'm saying. So, Don Williams has got this song, he says... Friends I can count on, I can count on one hand, with a leftover finger or two. It's country music, you know. It's and then he says, because I let them roll by. I didn't spend time with these people. Now, when I walk in town, I see all these people that I used to know, but I don't have access to them. And it's almost like standing in a river and dying of thirst. It's exactly the way it is with the gospel. You know, all of the world stands in the river of God's love. But when we can be persuaded of what Christ has done and what has happened in the Trinity, we've got access to that life and you don't die, you know, in the river of thirst. You can drink, you can partake of the unconditional love of God. Now, when we go to, uh, I'm going to just read from First uh, John 4 here. It says, no, I copied the wrong verse. I'm sorry, I've, I've copied the wrong verse here. But the Bible says in First John, it says that we have known and believed the love of God. You know, we can know that Jesus has died for us. We can know that uh, God gave His Son. But when you get that knowledge... What do you believe? How does that impact your belief about yourself? And about your neighbor? And about God? And about your union with God? That is what the whole thing is all about. We have known, we experience the love of God. But that 
changes what we believe. It changes what we believe. You know, if I think of the days when I just started to evangelize and preach when I was in school, and uh, how I preach now, and what I say. I remember standing up in a Dutch Reformed church, because I, I mean, I grew up in a Dutch Reformed church. And uh, by the way, those of you that are against the Dutch Reformed theology, I want to tell you it's some of the purest theology you can find. Yeah. I grew up in the Dutch Reformed church. And, um, you know, then I went to an outreach uh, with Jan de Wett. And thank God, I, don't know, I didn't know it, but Jan de Wett is also preaching grace now. Glory to God. Yeah, awesome. Uh, a friend of mine that invites me every now and then to go and preach in Johannesburg had him over and he just says, this guy is flat out preaching the gospel of God's grace. The guy who led me to Jesus. But anyway, so, um, so, so he would preach and, and I, I mean, I, I went forward, received Jesus as my Lord. And then two weeks later, I, they asked who want to testify in the Dutch Reformed Church, you know, about this youth outreach. I stood up and I went to the front and I had the other people speak and then I... Um, I said, I want to I wanna testify of what God has done for me. And this is what I said. <laughs> it's so different to the gospel I'm preaching today. <laughs> I said, I want to just say, all of you are going to go to hell. <laughs> because you've accepted me into this congregation. You thought that I'm saved and I wasn't even saved. And if you can't even see that I'm saved, how can you be saved? <laughs> you need to accept Jesus today and get saved. Because you lost. My goodness, you know, that, that was a radical message. You know, the, the reverend's son, I think he was eight years of age, the other day I spoke to him, he said to me, he can remember that message until today. <laughs> so it had an impact. <laughs> you know, but, you know, standing up, you know, in roads and just sharing the gospel of the goodness of God and what God has planned for man from before creation and, and how God loves to fellowship with man and the reason why we were created sharing it with those, those folk there and just seeing the love of God the, that, that amazement you know coming to their faces you know for those of you that's been in, on gospel outreaches gospel outreach and noise goes together when you preach, you realize you are preaching to people that are drunkards. You are preaching to people that came to see why do you have these lights here? Why do you have such a big sound system? They come and then some of them sell drugs. You know, if the, some of these big outreaches, you know, in Johannesburg. That's the place where they sell their dacha and their drugs. It's your gospel outreach. Because you've got to preach to sinners, man. And it's a massive noise. People talk and some listen, some don't listen and... And um, I mean, I've, I've even been to, to Reinhard Bonkers Crusades. It's a noise, man. And uh, when, we, when I started to preach this unconditional love of God, those people would quiet down that you could hear a pin drop in that place. Because you're talking the language of their design. <laughs> you, there's a resonance of this is the truth. Now, if we, if we can... can Taste and see that the Lord is good, know His goodness, and His goodness influences what we believe about ourselves. Then you find your life born from that truth, and that truth and that life born into you. Now, I want to use the, uh, um, you know, the story about the woman that was caught in adultery in John 
chapter 8 and verse 3. I'm going to read it. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said in, um, unto him, Master, the woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they say, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. Now listen to the scenario Jesus is in here. Here they bring the woman caught in the very act of adultery. Now, he, Jesus was a friend of sinners. The prostitutes, the tax collectors, the people that are, are um, you know, stealing, robbing, and just the, you know, people that are seen as sinners are friends with Jesus. John 15 says that they made it their custom to go to Jesus. So here's Jesus. People would be sinners and he was a friend of sinners. The Bible even says that he was a, he was a they called him a wine bibber, Jesus. Because he was always where they were drinking wine. Jesus. Our beautiful holy Jesus. Which is the perfect image of the Father. Which, if you have seen him, you've seen the Father. Was always amongst the sinners. Then they had a perfect plan. They caught a woman in the act. Now, if, if he would stone her, he's not going to have friends anymore. Because the friends would be scared of Jesus finding out about their sin. Because the, the first person that would not be a friend of Jesus anymore would be people that are sexually immoral. Because he just killed somebody. It was caught in the act. So, well, let's just stay away from Jesus because there are certain sins that he would just go out and kill you. So, that would be one thing. So, you can destroy his ministry. The ministry of love and compassion can be destroyed by Jesus killing one person or allowing him to be killed. And, should he not have a stone, then they've got more than enough reason to say he's a false preacher because he's not obeying the law. Because the Bible says... So what are they going to do? So here, I mean, here is a scenario where God wants to give life to somebody that's walking in death. This they said, tempting him that they should have to accuse him. But Jesus stood down with his finger wrote on the ground, and, though, uh, and as though he had not heard them. So they continued asking him. He lifted himself and said unto them, He that is without sin amongst you, let him first cast a stone. And again he stood down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus lifted himself, he saw none but the woman, and said unto the woman, Where are those accusers? You know what, I, I, I've never seen it this way, but as I read this, this is so beautiful. When the, when, when the accusers stood around the woman, Jesus looked at the ground and never at the accuser. He doesn't look at what accuses you. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? And he looked at the ground until they were gone. And when he stood up, <laughs> he said, where are those accusers? He didn't even know. They're gone. He never looked at them. He never looked at what accused the woman. 
Isn't that beautiful? Has no man condemned you? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Now do I condemn you? Go and sin no more. Now, that's what I'm going to talk about, that go and sin no more. Then spoke Jesus again unto them. Who is the them? Those that just walked out and said, I'm not going to stone, and said this. I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So here are people, when they see somebody in sin, they've got the light of death. They want to stone them. They've got the revelation that will, when you are in sin, condemn you unto death. But Jesus said, if you follow me, you have the light or the revelation that will give somebody life. Now, what is this, this revelation of life? We read this in John 1 verse 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the dark darkness did not understand it. Now, let me explain this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in this Word was life, and this life is the light of men. Now let me explain, that is powerful stuff. John didn't start his gospel with a genealogy. He started his gospel in the beginning, explaining how man relates to God. And this is what he said. He said, in the beginning there was a word. But this, this word was God, and this word was with God. Now how is that possible? So what he's trying to say is, before creation, there was something called togetherness. Or withness. In the Godhead. There was we know today that there were three beings, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These three were before the earth was made, and there was togetherness and withness amongst these three to the point that the one is so much like the other one that you cannot separate them from each other. And then he says, in this is a certain word, a certain message, that's the Greek word there, message, a certain logic which is in the Godhead, which is in the Trinity, which is inside the witness between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And this message of how they are linked together is what gives you life. Jesus is God's word to you. And what does Jesus spell? Jesus spells a man seated in the Trinity. There was one day, uh, one guy on Facebook that said to me, we shall never be partakers of the Trinity. The guys never believed in Jesus. Yeah. Maybe he believed in the start of Jesus, but never in what Christ has done. Because we are seated with Him. In heavenly places, Ephesians says. And when we are seated with Him, there is... Uh, the word was with God. 
This Jesus, which is God's message for us, was with God. He became flesh, dwelt among us, and that flesh human Jesus went and, he, and sat at the right hand of God, right hand according to Jew, Jew, Judaism, means in equality with God. And this man went and sat in equality with God. Stephen, when he was stoned, he said the following words. When he was stoned, he says, I see the glory of God, and I see the Son of Man. Seated with God. The Son of Man. He never said Jesus. You know what that means? That means, he said, I see a man in the equality of God. Jesus Christ himself being our representative. And then there is a togetherness and a withness between the Father and the Son in the Holy Spirit. And this is the message that is portrayed to us and that's brought to us. And this message is life. Glory to God. Now, he says, when you, when you have the revelation I have, Jesus says, if you follow me, you will have the light of life. You will have the revelation of life. Where you can say to a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery that you don't condemn her. That you don't condemn her. And then that what you had to say had enough power to set her free that she can go and say no more. Now, Jesus said this, he said to, the, to, to these Jews, he said, You judge after the flesh, I judge no man. <laughs> That's powerful. And if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone. Now listen to this, he says, Jesus said, I judge no man. But if I judge, if Jesus came and made a judgment about that woman that was caught in the very act, his judgment is true. And if you read on in the very same chapter, it says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. He says, <laughs> I come, and I, my judgment about this woman will be the truth about this woman. And you, if you listen to me, you will know the truth about you. And this truth will set you free. Now, those of you that know my teaching about the baptism of Jesus, when Jesus was baptized with the baptism of John, he was baptized as a sinner. And when he was baptized as a sinner, he took upon him the sin of the whole world. So when the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, when Jesus had to judge her, he could not look at her accuser. And when he looked at her, he saw that her sin that she just committed is upon him to be carried to the cross. So the truth about that woman would be what? Her innocence. That's the truth. You will know the truth. And the truth shall break the power of sin in your life. That's a true context. And this is why he could say to this woman, Woman, <laughs> I don't condemn you. He just shared the truth with, with her. What's the truth? I don't condemn you. Why? Because he was carrying her sin. And he's not there to condemn her unto death. But he knows his union with man. He knows his union with God. And he sees no reason for condemnation for that woman. And that is the truth. 
And he is sharing that truth with her. And when he shared that truth with her of not condemning her, it empowered her to have a life she, she always wanted but couldn't have. And now she is born from the judgment of Jesus. Because she believes what Jesus said. I said this to the people out, uh, you know, in, in Rhodes. I said, if none of you believe that Jesus took away the sin of the entire world, it doesn't change the fact that He took away the sin of the entire world. Because truth doesn't need ten votes to become true. It is the truth. Should you believe that truth, you can benefit from that truth. But if you don't believe it, like Jesus said here, He said, because you don't believe me, you will die in your sin. You will die in your sin. The thing is, what we need to believe is so good that it's almost unbelievable. That it's difficult for people to believe. To believe that Jesus did take away the sin of everybody. That Jesus went and sat in the Godhead and that the togetherness there, the life that is there, is now what is made available to every man, preached as a truth to every man. And that through that life, you know, we are enlightened. That is the light of life. The word on the life that is possessed by the word of God. What kind of a life does Jesus possess? How does he live? Jesus doesn't live every day from the perspective of I've got this obligation to keep the Father smiling. He doesn't live from the perspective of if I don't do everything right today the Father will not provide for me. He doesn't live like that. He's never lived like that. And that's the kind of a life that Jesus lives. Jesus says here, He says, I am one that bears witness of myself, and the Father has sent me also bears witness of me. I said therefore unto you, that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am He, you shall die in your sin. If you believe not that I am He, who is He? The one that the Father confirms, the one that is one with the Father. Could you believe that a man is one with a definition of one that God has, which is an absolute one with God? And that that man was called the lost Adam, the very high priest of mankind, bringing a new kind of life to man, that we live from our union with God that our life is not about obeying commandments but it is experiencing love and from that experience of love we find love life you know <clears throat> the more Helena loves me the more she can enter my heart the more I love her the more who I am can enter her heart. 
And then, after all the love that she's given to me, and as who she is has entered my heart, I find Helena living in me. I've said it so many times, but it's such a truth. Such a great truth. The more she's good to me, the more my heart can open to her. The more my heart opens to her, the more who she is, her personality, the things she likes, the, the things she doesn't like, her way of thinking, her way of reasoning, enters me. And what I see in my life, I see her living in me. When we say Christ in us and Christ live in you, we're not talking about some theory. God hasn't come to bring theories to man. He's come to bring reality. Where we can be partakers of the way the Godhead function. That we can believe in who He is and in what He's done by this wonderful portraying of love upon the cross and in the resurrection where the perfect human flesh was resurrected seated in the Godhead never to die forever representing you glory to God Amen. let me end off I want to just read this first uh, John 1 verse 1 to 5 again it says in the beginning was the word the word word is the word logos in the Greek, which also means logic. God's logic, God's way of thinking, God's way of reasoning. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Jesus, which is God's message about us, was life. It means Jesus lived a certain kind of a life. Not by His willpower, it's what He was born into. You know, when, when my, my sons, they live a certain kind of a life because they were born into the Brits family. That's where they were born. That's the kind of life they have. Their father is a preacher. And they have the life of a preacher's child. That's the life they have. If I was a boilermaker, then they would have had the life of the children of a boilermaker. Inside Jesus, which was in the Godhead, was life. A certain kind of a life. And the revelation of that life as my union with God, having the same kind of a life that Jesus is in, is the light of men the Bible says he is the light of the world and he enlightens every man so this is not just for some this is for all and this is the good news that we can preach glory to God let me read another verse um, first John this is so beautiful just find it quickly
Listen to John's revelation of Jesus here. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which we have, which our hands have handled, of the word of life, talking about Jesus. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and which we have declared, we declare unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. For truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that makes me so happy. The, he said, listen, we want to declare the life that He has to you. Because that life includes you. He didn't obey for himself, he obeyed on your behalf. He didn't die for himself, he died your death. He wasn't raised for himself, he was resurrected on behalf of mankind. And now he is seated in the life that he had before the worlds were made. A human being is now seated in the kind of a life that only God possesses. And now he says, we want to declare this to you because we could touch him, handle him, and see how he's got a relationship with his father and how a man is in union with God, but he's now our representative and we want, to, we want you to have fellowship with us for our fellowship is truly with the father and the son. What that means is that the kingdom dynamics possessed in the Trinity is what we are partakers of. That means the way Jesus hears the voice of the Father is the way you hear the voice of the Father. How does Jesus know what God knows? God indwells Him. The Father indwells Jesus. Jesus indwells the Father. When the Father wants and wills something, Jesus wants and wills it automatically, immediately. You don't know if the Father willed it first or if Jesus willed it first. It's just one and the very same thing. And we are now partakers of that life. And when we can preach that life as the life made available for mankind, then we will have light and revelation and abundance of joy and the fruit of God. Glory to God. <laughs> I don't know if this makes you happy, but I feel abundance of joy. Because I have been saved from the, this terrible world system where you are what you do unto a system where I am what He's done. Not I am what I do. And I'm now suffering the consequences of what he's done and possessing a kind of a life that is what the Bible talks about peace that's above understanding it's, it's something that is born in you you know you get a peace based on understanding you know one and one is two and it's like okay I've got a job I get 20,000 rand a month then I've got 5,000 rand debt so I can pay it okay now I've got peace but then you get a peace that's above understanding so that I saw my kidney clop in my brother 
where you start to worry because you know you're not worrying <laughs> that's the kind of peace I'm talking about because it's not a peace that comes out of circumstances it's a peace that comes out of design it's a peace that comes out of your union with God because his life is your life where when he feels peace you feel peace when he doesn't feel peace you don't feel peace It's just the way it is. Now I wanted to buy a car. So um, I've got the money in the bank and I thought let me go and buy this car. And I looked at the car, everything makes sense. I can even buy the car and sell it for 15,000 rand profit. So I was thinking this is a good car, everything makes sense. Everything makes sense. And uh, it's okay. I can buy the car. I phoned the guy on Friday. I said listen man, because he's, he had to repair the exhaust. I said to him, I want to go and come and buy the car. Can't we organize it for Saturday on the latest? Because let me then pay, pay the car and take it. Because I want to drive up to uh, 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 Rhodes. And, he's, and he phoned me back at five. He says, no, they haven't finished it. So I thought, well, when I come back, then I'll buy it this week. And then I didn't feel peace anymore. I just don't have the peace. So I phoned the guy and said, I'm not buying the car. Now, there's no reason. Another guy would say, you're crazy. I don't care what the reasoning says. I don't have peace. Yes, you know, I don't live the kind of a life that the world, worldly kind of a thinking lives in. I, I don't have that kind of life. I've got different kind of a life, a different dynamic. The kind of a life we possess and that we can awake unto and believe upon is that the life that's possessed in the Godhead. You know, the father doesn't have, if the Father doesn't feel peace about something or doesn't like something, he doesn't have to explain to Jesus 20 times before Jesus will get peace. It's a one peace, one joy. And we are partakers of that. God never created you, and I've said this so many times, God never created you for the purpose of having servants. He never created you for the purpose of having worshippers. The reason why He created man is so there could be a being that knows what it is to be like God. Amen. And there can be a being that knows what it is to know what true peace, to know joy, the fun of joy, the rest of peace, the the, the hope of faith. That's why He made us and gave dust the opportunity to partake of God. That's when He blew the breath of life into dust. The other day I listened to Richard Dawkins. Don't know if you know Richard Dawkins, the well-known atheist. And they were sitting in some church and they said, we thank creation for the opportunity that it would put molecules together that we could enjoy this for our, life, our lifetime and then cease to exist. <laughs> That's a man of high intelligence that would utter things like that on a public platform. And I was thinking, <laughs> I thank God that He took dust and gave dust the opportunity to have eternal life yes. the kind of life possessed by Jesus as what my life would not be full 
without my children. The life of God would not be full without you. You've been designed to be part of Him. As I've said it before, you know, if, if I, if I, even when I came from the roads and I came here, you know, and, and Andres and Lorraine come and they visit me, I just feel I'm amongst my people, my kind. See, if I look for somebody to fellowship with, I go on my phone and I call one of my friends and I say, listen, man, I do want to come over for coffee because I want my kind. People that understand me, that thinks like me, that's got the same logic as what I have. And the only being God can call to have coffee with Him is you. It's the only being. We were made in His image and in His likeness. Likeness, gelijkenis. Gelijkenis, krij die woordkie, is gelijk aan. And say, gelijkenis is ons gemaak. I'm not trying to lift man up to, to the level of God. I just believe God lifted us up to where we belong. We've started with belong. Not with rejection. We start with we belong there. And then Adam went and said, I wonder if I belong here. And then Jesus restored that. And now we're preaching the message of where we belong. And those who believe it can enjoy that kind of a life. You know, when, um, when we, when we, say I was, so let, let, let's say you were an orphan. You grew up in an orphanage, never knew your parents. But let's say you weren't there because your parents died. You, you were a street kid. And you weren't a street kid because your parents chucked you away. But you were actually kidnapped and then the kidnapper threw you away. You have parents that are looking for the child and the child that's looking for his parents. That's what you have. Now imagine at the age of 30, you discover your parents and your parents are the owners of some big company and they are loving, caring people and they are very rich. They've got some estates and whatever. Your discovery of your father would actually be the discovery of you. Isn't it? Because you could only know yourself by knowing him. Because what he owns is what you own. Because you are the heir. By discovering your parents, you discover yourself. And what has happened was, we were kidnapped by the devil and thrown away. And the devil made it look as if God throws you away. And Jesus came and paid for the sin that Adam committed and took all guilt and all sin and all disqualification out of the way once and for all. And now we've got the message of introducing mankind to their God, which is the one that said, I give you my kingdom. Those who can believe this will find that this truth they believe in, the judgment of God giving birth to their life. And the only life that's available to us 
is the life Jesus possesses. In Colossians it says, look at Jesus who is your life. Let's close our eyes. Father, I stand in awe of your gospel. I've preached this message maybe 400 times. But Lord, it is as fresh as the day when you breathed life into Adam and Eve. <laughs> Lord, I'm just thinking of the thing you revealed to me that we are the place where you kiss the earth. As we discover you, we discover how we function, we discover our reasoning, our design, and we discover the true life, and we can only come on bended knee, worshipping you, for you have done this great thing. And you shall know the truth, you said, and the truth shall set you free. And the truth is that you couldn't condemn that woman. You couldn't even look at the accuser. You looked at the ground. And as they accused and accused, it was as if you were not even listening. Thank you, Lord, that should you pronounce judgment, it is true. And your truth, we shall know the truth, we shall believe this truth, and it, the truth, shall set us free. Lord, this gospel is not a gospel of how we must live up to the standard where we can become lovable, but it's the gospel of God having such a wonderful life. And how he wants to share it with mankind and refuses to give up on man. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. And that we can be born from truth. Amen and amen. amen. Now, God is just a good God. You know, this, this message, <clears throat> I want to tell you, I've been walking in this message now since 99, end of 95, beginning 96. And the more I hear it, the more it's new to me. I tell you. And the more I experience true life. I thank God that He was never willing to give up on how He lives and partner with how the devil lives. The devil lives by what you do. God lives by who he is. Amen. And he came and gave us that life. And this is a good news that's worthy of preaching. Amen. This is a good news that we can take all over the world. So as you leave those doors, you know, and, and, and leave the building here, I want to tell you that, that you never, ever have to be ashamed of sharing a CD or this message with anybody for this will speak the language of the design that's inside that person. Now, when I shared this with you, you can imagine
how complicated it must be to the rational mind to share this with folk who doesn't even understand English. I, I, I went there in the mountains speaking to people that's got no clue of this gospel. I sit with people that if you tell him you don't have a wife for the purpose of serving you, they think, what are you talking about? <laughs> really? And I was thinking, how will I ever explain this to these people? But I just felt, you know, as I was driving, the Lord said to me, don't worry of what you will say, but in the hour that you need to speak, I'll give you the words. And I started to preach to those people. And I realized just again that this is not complicated for humans. This is the language of our design. What's complicated is when you tell somebody, if you tithe, then God's going to bless you. That starts to become very complicated now. What becomes complicated is, if you give this guy a lift, then God will organize that another guy one day later give you a lift. That's, that's complicated. But what's easy to understand is a loving father that cares for us, that influences us based on our design, that we are his kind. Now let me God bless you guys. Thank you for your generosity. Those of you that want to give, you can give in the back. Make sure you order the CD and give it to somebody. Amen. God bless you.